is going on, true crime fans? I'm your host, Heath. And I'm your other host, Daphne. And you're listening to Going West. Today, we have a terrifying case for you guys. One that revolves around Halloween, of course, since we're getting close to that time. If you guys are looking for more spooky stories, remember we have a brand new podcast called The Dark Parts. I know we've been plugging in a lot lately, but it just came out three weeks ago, so we're really trying to get people to go on over there and check out those stories. Last week, we released probably my favorite episode yet, The Stalker. So that just tells different stories about stalkers, and it goes into kind of the psychology of how the brain works when it comes to thinking that somebody's watching you. Heath did the research for that, and he did an amazing job. We also, it it also kind of has a true crime element to that episode. So for all of you true crime fans, you should definitely check that one out in particular because we do talk about real life events that happen. Yeah, all the stories that we're going to tell on that show are going to be different mysteries and just different things that are creepy in any way. So go check that out. Again, that's The Dark Parts. Also, one other announcement, we're not going to be doing shout outs at the end of the show for reviews anymore. We are going to do it for this episode for the last time. Um, We just don't want to put too much focus on the reviews. But if you guys still want to give us a nice review, if you like the show, that's always welcome. We really do appreciate everybody who's left us a nice review. So thank you. All right, guys, without further ado, this is episode 91 of Going West. So let's get into it. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. On Halloween night in 2004, three roommates passed out candy to trick-or-treaters at their Napa Valley home before eventually heading to bed in their respective bedrooms. But just a couple hours after falling asleep, someone broke into their home and murdered two of them before running out of the house and out of sight. So who committed these cold-blooded killings and why? These are the Napa Halloween murders. On Halloween night 2004, something horrible happened at a home in Napa Valley, California. Three roommates lived together in a four-bedroom home in a residential neighborhood and spent the evening passing out candy to trick-or-treaters until around 11 p.m. when they all turned in for the night. 26-year-olds Leslie Mazzara and Adrian and Sonia had their bedrooms upstairs, while 27-year-old Laura Minza had her bedroom downstairs. So a bit about the roommates. Leslie Mazzara was born on August 1, 1978 in Orlando, Florida to her mother, Kathy Harrington, and she also had two brothers named Paul and Andy. Growing up, Leslie was a ballerina with the Greenville Ballet Company, which was a huge passion for her. But after high school, she decided to put her dancing career behind her and focus her studies on one of her other passions, philosophy. So she attended the University of Georgia and got her bachelor's in that field. Leslie was really a go-getter and loved being active. So during college, she was on the lacrosse team and even the karate club. After graduating, she spent some time in South Carolina where she competed in the 2003 Miss South Carolina pageant after having previously won a pageant the year prior. And we posted photos on social media so you can see her because Leslie was absolutely gorgeous. So again, she did a lot with her young life. And according to her mom, Kathy, Leslie was goal-oriented from the start. 
As a child, she told her mom that she wanted to be a teacher, a mother, a nurse, and Miss America before turning 21. So this was like embedded in her. The following year in 2004, when Leslie was 26, she and her boyfriend broke up. So she decided to make a change and move to Napa, California to work in the wine business. Her first job in Napa was as a greeter at the Niebaum Coppola Winery, which is film director Francis Ford Coppola's winery. Leslie's mom lived in Berkeley, which is only about a 50-minute drive from Napa, so that's how she got the idea to go to Napa. She loved it there and felt a bit stuck in life because she didn't know if she wanted to be a teacher or maybe a lawyer, so she thought a year or so in Napa would be a fun experience. But almost as soon as she got there, she decided that she wanted to work in the wine industry and start her life in Napa. And she really had the charisma and outgoing attitude to start as a greeter at a winery. Like people were drawn to her because of her. I mean, she was beautiful and she just had a really bubbly and very friendly personality. Yeah. And honestly, I can't blame her for wanting to spend time or or live in Napa because For those of you who have been to Napa, California, that is 100% wine country, and it is gorgeous. It's beautiful there. There's tons of different vineyards there. So if you're a wine lover and you've never been there, you got to check it out. Oh, my God. It's amazing. And it's funny because while I was doing this research the whole time, or at least in this part of the story, when she was moving to Napa, I'm like, God, that just sounds like what a life, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Adrian and Sonia was born on December 30th, 1977 in Calistoga, California, to parents Arlene and Tony and Sonia, alongside sisters Lexi and Allison, and brother Michael. Calistoga is a beautiful small town featuring many wineries and natural hot springs in Napa Valley. Growing up, she was a Girl Scout troop leader and an athlete, she played volleyball and softball, and she loved helping out in the community in every way that she could. Adrienne always lived in Napa Valley, except during her college years when she attended Cal Poly State University in San Luis Obispo, California, to study civil engineering. But after graduating in 2001, she returned to Napa to put her new engineering skills to the test with a job as an assistant engineer at Napa Sanitation District, which is a water treatment plant. She really enjoyed this job because, again, she loved being part of the Napa community, and she was always getting involved in different local charitable events. So all around, Adrienne was a funny, loving, and passionate person. But she also was incredibly tough. In 1994, while she was a 16-year-old sophomore in high school, Adrienne was involved in a terrible car accident with her best friend Lily Prudhomme that almost killed her. The car rolled three times and Adrian's window was open, so she hit her head right on the pavement. And because of this, she kind of had to relearn some of her skills because she had some memory loss that occurred. But she healed within a few months and returned to school and then went on to a big university. So she was not the type of person who just gave up on anything. She had dreams and goals in her life and she was, you know, setting out to achieve them. In 2004, Adrian began dating a guy named Christian Lee. They had a bit of an on-again, off-again type relationship, and there seemed to be a lot of drama there, because Christian didn't take their relationship as seriously as Adrian did. And they even had an argument about this on Halloween night. Leslie, Adrian, and Lauren all passed out candy that evening together and just hung out at the house, because again, they lived in a residential neighborhood super suburban area, so I'm sure they had a lot of trick-or-treaters that night. Yeah, and not only that, they're in their 20s. They're just kind of just chilling out, right? Yeah, they're just hanging out at the house, doorbell rings, pass out candy, and it's just the three of them. But during this time, Adrian left for a little bit to go to her boyfriend Christian's place, where they argued about the fact that Adrian had recently met a new guy at a party, and she kind of dangled that in front of Christian's face, which made him angry. But it was her kind of saying, hey, if you're not going to commit to me, then, well, hey, guess what? I met this other guy and maybe he'll want to be serious with me kind of thing. You know, Christian didn't want to commit to her yet got very upset that she was potentially going to see someone else. And Adrian wasn't usually the type of person to have drama or get into tiffs with anyone. Like she wasn't that person. But Christian not wanting to commit to her caused some issues. Around 10 p.m. that October 31st evening, 
Adrian came home and hung out with her roommates Leslie and Lauren before they all set off to bed by 11 p.m. And this was a Sunday evening, so I'm assuming they all kind of had to go to work the next morning, so they just had a nice chill night. Right, they're not trying to stay up and party the whole night away. Right, and they all have got jobs, they're responsible young women. It seemed that Leslie also had some male drama in her life. In October of 2004, she was dating two different men casually, but was starting to get serious with one of them, the one who was a bit older. Just a week or so before Halloween, the older love interest came over and spotted some flowers that belonged to Leslie, and he asked her about these. It turns out that they were from the other love interest, and this made the older love interest very upset. And by the way, we're saying love interest because we couldn't find their names anywhere. So we're just going to call them love interests. Anywho, (laughs) so Leslie wasn't the kind of gal who played with people's feelings, but neither relationship was very serious at all. So she was just kind of feeling it out and seeing what she wanted. At this point, she was kind of leaning towards the older love interest, but the whole flower situation caused a bit of a tiff. And Leslie kind of had this thing about her where she, whoever she talked to, she kind of made them feel special. So it's really no wonder that she had so many people that wanted to, like, be her friend or her romantic partner. She just had this way about her. On Halloween night in 2004, Leslie was a bit upset and turned to a friend in South Carolina. She explained to her friend that she kept getting calls from her ex-boyfriend's dad that night, which is super fucking weird, and it was almost like he was kind of harassing her to, like, get back with his son. And this is the ex-boyfriend from South Carolina the breakup that had prompted her to move to Napa. So the dad is just calling her over and over again, and she calls her friend in South Carolina and is just kind of venting to her about it. And this is on Halloween night. It's like, dude, why, why are you bugging her? This whole, yeah, and this whole thing is just strange in itself. Like, your son or daughter breaks up with their boyfriend or girlfriend. You don't go, like, pestering that boyfriend or girlfriend and saying, like... This makes it worse. Yeah, it's just, it's just weird. Like, don't, don't be fucking weird. Crime in Napa was not at all high at this time, and it still isn't, because Napa has always been known to be very homey and a very safe community overall. So with Leslie and Adrian sleeping upstairs, Lauren dozed off in her downstairs bedroom before the clock struck midnight. But as 2 a.m. came around, Lauren heard the distant sound of what could have been broken glass. And then her dog barked, her dog was in the room with her, and it woke her up from her deep sleep. As she paused for a moment, still disoriented from having just woken up, she originally assumed that it was one of the guys that Leslie was seeing, because there had been a recent issue of him coming over late and disturbing the other roommates. So she was just kind of like, oh, this guy again, this older guy, whatever his name, older love interest. The old, old love interest, yes. So, but that's when she noticed that the security light was on outside near the garage, meaning that someone had definitely been out there. But then she just wondered if it was one of the cats who tripped the light. Because you hear broken glass, you see the light is on outside. You're like, okay, something's out there. But, you know, you don't assume for the worst. She's just like, oh, it's probably the cat. It's probably no big deal. Yeah. And like, it's so funny. Side note, whenever we see like our, or whenever I see our neighbor's driveway light come on, I'm always like, oh, like, who, like, what was that? But you always kind of assume like, oh, yeah, it's probably just a cat or like something like that or a p- possum or something. Well, and we've talked about this before is that you don't ever assume that something bad is actually going to happen to you. So it's easy to just have be in a situation like that and say, it's nothing. It's fine. So she just assumed that and she, then she tried to fall back asleep. But suddenly Lauren heard the sound of horrifying screams and they seemed to be coming from upstairs. For a moment, Lauren didn't know what to do. I mean, was someone in the house? She had no idea what was going on. So she quietly snuck out of her bedroom to head upstairs to check it out. But as she did this, she heard frantic footsteps headed for the stairs, like the top of the stairs. Not knowing who it could be, she dashed out the back door, terrified. As she crouched in the backyard, She could hear someone struggling with the kitchen blinds on the front side of the house. And then, silence. But then she heard Adrian upstairs pleading for help. Hoping that the possible intruder was gone, Lauren went back into the house and upstairs to see what had happened. And it was an absolute bloodbath. 
Leslie's bedroom was the first one at the top of the stairs, and Leslie appeared to be deceased, face down in a pool of her own blood. When Lauren then went into Adrian's room, she slipped in the blood before noticing Adrian hiding behind her bed on the brink of death. Lauren then ran for the house phone, but it was dead. Whoever came into the house had cut the lines. So Lauren ran back into her own bedroom and grabbed her cell phone before sprinting out the door and into her car. She was so scared that whoever had killed her roommates would come back for her. So she drove away and called 911 to explain what was happening. Within minutes, police and paramedics were on the scene. Although Adrian was still alive, when they got there, she died from her injuries before they were able to try and save her life. Both Adrian and Leslie had died from multiple stab wounds, but no one had any idea who would have wanted them dead. It seemed like Leslie had been attacked in her sleep, and Adrian heard the attack and was attacked herself before she could flee from the scene. But judging by the state of her bedroom, it was clear that she fought hard for her life. And by the way, I'm assuming that Adrian was not conscious enough to get up and leave the room with Lauren or leave the house with Lauren, or else I don't like I don't think Lauren would have just left her conscious friend in the house because the reason that Lauren left was because she was like, how many people did this? Is anyone still in the house? Is he going to come back because he knows that I'm still alive? Like she didn't know what to do. She was just like, I need to get the hell out of here. But I'm assuming that she didn't just leave Adrian, who was like bleeding out, just terrified. And I I did uh, watch an interview of Adrian's mom, who commended Lauren for what she did and was kind of saying like, I can't imagine what that must have felt like to be in her position. So I'm assuming that she didn't wasn't just like peace out, Adrian, like she was she had to get out of there. Yeah, yeah. You cannot blame Lauren for feeling that way and having that fear. I mean, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Maybe if she did try and get involved, she would be dead as well. So she was, it's not like she was just trying to self-preservate, like do self-preservation or whatever, but she was terrified. I mean, there's a killer in her house. She sees one of her roommates is like probably not going to make it, laying on the floor, dying. Like, what would you do? You know what I mean? Yeah, just overall a very scary situation. So she did what she had to do and you know, luckily she survived, but unfortunately her two roommates did not. So as a couple hundred pieces of evidence was being collected at the crime scene, a forensic specialist found three cigarette butts, two of which were out by the front of the house and one which was in the backyard. Since none of the roommates smoked, they were confident that this could be a connection to the killer. There was also blood found by the window on the outside wall of the house. So they collected this as well, hoping that it was the killers. And by the way, we did also post photos of the house so that you guys can kind of get a visual of what this whole scene looked like, because I know that helps me. Under the broken window was also a pack of zip ties, which according to Lauren, didn't belong to any of the women. So now police were speculating that the killer had originally planned to bind the women, but instead killed them quickly and fled. Nothing was missing from the home, so they knew it wasn't a robbery gone wrong. Someone had intentionally gone in there with a plan to murder these young women. Two weeks after the murders, Adrian's best friend Lily organized a candlelight vigil held in Adrian and Leslie's honor so everyone could pay their respects. As we mentioned earlier, Leslie attracted a lot of attention between her looks and her personality. So police felt confident that the killer was likely someone who had become obsessed with her, especially since she was the first one to be murdered. Police looked into her phone records and noticed all the calls that came into Leslie's phone the night that she was murdered, the ones from her ex-boyfriend's father. And they thought that this was a very suspicious lead. Investigators also searched Leslie's computer and found a recent email from her ex-boyfriend, which again was suspicious. Apparently, he had proposed to her earlier that year, and she had turned him down, and then moved away shortly after breaking it off with him, so this gave him potential motive. However, phone records and other witnesses would place the father and her ex-boyfriend all the way across the country in South Carolina on the night of Halloween. As police continued to unravel Halloween Day in their home, 
they discovered that a handyman had come to their house that afternoon, so they wondered if he was behind the murders. But he too had an alibi. So at this point, police were starting to feel stuck. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you are allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medications that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, just visit Juvederm.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volix XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment, no maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volix XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. With how busy our schedules are, Heath and I are constantly ordering food and groceries from DoorDash. It just saves us a ton of time when we can't run to the store for ingredients or don't feel like cooking and want delicious takeout instead. But delivery fees can definitely add up. And this is why we have Dash Pass by DoorDash. Dash Pass is an exclusive membership from DoorDash that gets you unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, as well as member-only deals and discounts. Which is why Dash Pass is the most affordable way to get anything and everything you need delivered right to your door, and fast, for just $9.99 a month. Which means DoorDash quickly pays for itself in just two orders on average. So whether you order every day or just a couple of times a month, you'll save with Dash Pass. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for Dash Pass today only on DoorDash and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. Heath and I are major sufferers of seasonal allergies. They are the worst. It can even be difficult to host this show when our noses are all clogged up. We have tried brand after brand, but luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. And big shout out to Claritin for supporting this show and providing us with samples. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. I feel like I sneeze all day long. I always have an itchy face. But now I can actually go outside in the grass and not have a sneeze attack or be stuffed up thanks to Claritin D. Are you ready to live as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. 
Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so that you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Best Fiends. We already know that you guys love solving puzzles and mysteries, which is probably why you like true crime. And by this point, you must know about Best Fiends. It's an awesome mobile puzzle game that challenges you without adding any stress, which I think we all have had enough of right now. In fact, we've found it's a great way to de-stress and unwind during or after a long day, especially after listening to a stressful true crime case. Isn't that right? The game's bright, colorful, and ultra-fun approach is a perfect breather. I love that Best Fiends updates the game every single month because I play a lot. So I love the new themes and challenges that are constantly being added. Since we're still practicing social distancing, playing Best Fiends has become a daily must for me when I'm relaxing at home and looking for a good time. I also love that anyone can play. I even got my dad playing this game, seriously. Yeah, your dad loves it. All of our family actually loves this game since we told them about it, because what's not to love? Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Exactly. So download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or on Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. This year has been exponentially difficult for everyone. And if you're struggling and you feel like you need someone to talk to, you're not alone. And that's why BetterHelp is here to assist you. BetterHelp matches you with a licensed professional therapist that you can call, text, or video chat from the comfort of your own home. Especially in these hard times when we're practicing social distancing, this is a safe and private way for you to connect with a therapist on your own schedule. It's an incredibly affordable way for you to get the help that you need, and financial aid is available. So whether you're dealing with depression, anxiety, trauma, LGBTQ matters, anger, or anything in between, BetterHelp is the convenient and confidential way to talk it through. This service is available worldwide. So what are you waiting for? We want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash going west. That's betterhelp.com slash going west. Join over 1 million people and counting taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash going west. One of the other people that police wanted to interview right away was Adrian's boyfriend, Christian Lee. They did think it was more likely that the killer was connected to Leslie, but they did their due diligence and questioned everyone possible. But after interviewing Christian and other people in Adrian's life, no one seemed to be a match at all. The investigation on this case was very extensive, and I mean, they interviewed over 1,300 people total. Turns out, the blood found at the scene that didn't match either Adrian or Leslie belonged to a male, and this male DNA matched the saliva that was found on the cigarette butts as well as the DNA that was found on the zip tie bunch. Christian Lee, who again was Adrian's boyfriend, didn't match the DNA sample and neither did any other DNA sample they had from people they interviewed. And they had hundreds of samples. Yeah, that makes it really hard at that point. Yeah, and I mean, they even entered it into CODIS, which had been around for about six years at this time. So there were over 4 million DNA samples updated into CODIS. And so obviously they're like, this could work out. You know, maybe he's committed a crime in the past. Right. You're always hoping that there's going to be some sort of hit. I mean, four million people, you know, but there was no match in CODIS. So this obviously was incredibly disappointing because they had interviewed so many people and Napa wasn't even the biggest town. At the time of these murders, there were around 70,000 people in Napa. 
So the fact that they had a DNA sample and it wasn't matching a single person in CODIS, nor any of the hundreds of potential suspects that they had, didn't really make a whole lot of sense. After months of intense investigating, this case pretty much went cold. Leslie and Adrian's families and friends were devastated that they didn't have any answers regarding their loved one's murder. So there was nothing really they could do except for wait for answers to come. Lily Prudhomme, who remember was Adrian's very best friend who she got in a car accident with, got married a few months later to her longtime boyfriend, Eric Koppel. And Adrian and Lily had been best friends since childhood, so it was really important to Lily that Adrian's mom, Arlene, come to her wedding since Adrian couldn't be there, obviously. And Arlene even read a scripture in memory of her daughter to the wedding audience. Lily also had them play She Will Be Loved by Maroon 5 in honor of Adrian since that was her favorite song. That was really sweet that she had Adrian's mom kind of go because they had known each other for so long. So Yeah, Arlene, this, is, this is her best friend. Yeah, so Arlene was pretty much a big part of Lily's life anyway and had known her forever. So it was sweet that um, she was kind of like, please speak at our wedding and please be there and then kind of did a little homage to Adrian. A few months later, investigators got the idea to look further into the cigarettes that were found at the scene of the crime. There wasn't a brand on the actual cigarette butt, but there did seem to be a logo on the very tips of the cigarette, like where it had burned down to, which appeared to be little golden arches. After a little bit of research, they discovered that the cigarettes were Turkish Golds, which was a newer variation of Camel cigarettes. Those were actually the first cigarettes I ever smoked. Really? Yeah, yeah. And no, seriously, I used to smoke those like... In 2004? I, literally, yeah. Well, no, I, kidding. no I smoked them in 2005. Yeah, that's when I started. Wow, that's so weird. Thank God I quit, though. No smoking for me. Yeah, Heath, Heath quit smoking in May. If you're thinking about it, just talk to Heath. Exactly. You can always come to me and talk to me about it. So these Turkish gold camels hadn't been on the market for very long. So they thought that this was a pretty great lead because that probably meant that there weren't they weren't super popular and that not too many people were smoking them yet. Especially in that local area, right? Like you would assume that because they're such a new cigarette, not very many people were smoking them and also... In li who lived in Napa. Right, right. Exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah, exactly. Since it was only a town of 70,000 people. So they decided to release this information to the public and ask people to come forward if they knew of anyone who could possibly be the killer that smoked this certain brand of cigarettes. Since people usually know what their loved ones smoke. Like my dad is an American spirits guy all the way. Your mom is a Marlboro Lights lady. Like you just know what your people smoke. I'm surprised you know that. <laughs> of course, I know the I know the woman. I know Beatrice. We go we go way back. And what, and what was my brand? You were into okay. Well, you liked Paul Malls. <laughs> yeah. And um, the other cheap brand. Well, you like Marvels too sometimes. But what was the other one that you did when you were about to quit? Wait, no. It was always Paul Malls. It was always Paul Malls. See, I knew. <laughs> it was always Paul Malls. So that was kind of the idea behind this. They're like everybody knows what kind of cigarettes their people smoke. How many smokers are even in Napa? Let's just put it out there. And they also asked Lauren, the surviving roommate, to put together a list of people that she knew who smoked. Because again, they felt like this killer knew the young women. And they just didn't really see this as being a random attack. You know who, I mean, random murders happen all the time, but he went in there with the intention to kill them and leave. So they're like, He's, he can't be a stranger. The town of Napa was really afraid during this time because they didn't know all the details of the case, so rumors were being spread, and they worried that there was a possible serial killer on the loose in their quiet and beautiful area. This is when the community really came together and raised $100,000 as reward for finding the killers, killer or killers of Adrian and Leslie. Yeah, because they're like, we want this guy caught. We don't want a killer running around our town. So they just gathered together all this money because they're like, we need to catch him. Which is super dope. Like, I love when communities do that. They come together for, like, the people, for their people. Oh, you know? yeah. It's the best. But lucky for the community, the police felt confident that the killer's identity would be discovered very soon. Because not only did they have a DNA sample and the cigarette brand info, but there was also a new technique being used in DNA technology 
that could help determine what a person looked like based on their DNA samples. A DNA expert took a look at the killer's DNA sample and was able to determine that he was of Northwestern European descent. So either in the UK or France or Germany, that whole region. Right. And it was also able to fully rule out certain ethnicities. The DNA expert was certain that the killer was not Asian, African American, or Hispanic. So that really helped to narrow things down. But he was also able to determine that the killer had blue or green eyes, as well as naturally light hair. And this is amazing technology. This like is how, huge. How, like, mind-blowing for 2004, right? Totally. So now they knew that the killer was likely white with light hair and eyes. This still didn't give them a concrete answer, but it was something to go on. I mean, this is science saying that this person looks like this. And it's, even though it was a newer technology, I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. Shortly before all of this was discovered, which was in the late summer of 2005, so almost one year after the murders, Lauren, who again, remember, is a surviving roommate. I keep saying that because Lauren and Leslie both start with an L, and I know that that confused me originally. So anyways, Lauren, the surviving roommate, discussed possible smokers that she knew. The only problem was she really didn't know anyone who smoked. And in fact, she could really only think of one man who did. 25-year-old Eric Koppel. Eric Koppel was Adrian's best friend, Lily's new husband, remember, as Heath was just telling us. Lily was close to all the girls in the house, so naturally, Eric was around once in a while. And Lauren remembered that he was indeed a cigarette smoker because he always smoked when he was at the house or whenever, you know, she was around and he was around kind of thing because he was a smoker. Eric wasn't too close to any of them because he was very shy and just super quiet. Kind of an awkward dude. Yeah, just really, really kind of boring guy. So he didn't really insert himself in any conversations with any of them when he was around. Turns out, investigators did question him uh, in the beginning of the investigation, but they didn't have his DNA on file. So they reached out to him. But one month later, in September 2005, Lauren reached out to the police and asked if they had spoken to Eric yet, and they said that they hadn't been able to locate or contact him. So obviously, Lauren's kind of afraid in general. Her roommates were killed. She, for some reason, survived and wasn't attacked. And the only person that she could think of that smokes that's close to the, the girls in the house is Eric Koppel. And she did say that he didn't come off as a killer. He was just quiet. So it's not like he, she knew him to be violent or aggressive. He was just kind of just there. Yeah. And sometimes those people who are just there or who are quiet can be some of the most evil people. Which I think is probably another reason why she was like, hey, have you checked in on him yet? Because it's not like he was known to be this like really sweet, like amazing, outgoing, just sweetie pie she just kind of thought he was a little weird. Yeah, yeah, totally. So this was also around the same time that they released the brand of cigarettes to the public. And within just a few days, multiple members of Eric Koppel's family, as well as his friends, recognized Turkish gold camels to be the very same type of cigarette that Eric smoked. After a few of those who were close to Eric asked him about this, he decided to turn himself into police. And remember... Adrian's mother spoke at this man's wedding. How fucked up is that? And this was her best friend's partner and a man who attended her candlelight vigil. Weirdly enough, no one, not even Lauren, felt that Eric seemed to be sinister at all. He was just very shy but seemed like a nice guy. So this came as an incredible shock to the community. We know you guys love a good mystery, especially one with twists and turns. Am I right? This is why you guys are going to love June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker while she tries to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder in the roaring 1920s. In this hidden object mystery game, put your detective skills to the test. While you're on this quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret, you can customize your very own luxurious estate island and let your imagination run wild. Daphne and I actually love to play this game together because you can chat with and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. 
You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. It is truly so much fun. You guys are going to love it. So what do you think? Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Eric matched the description of the DNA profile that they had. He had light eyes, he had dirty blonde hair, and he was white. They took his DNA to be sampled as they questioned to make sure that he was indeed telling the truth to them. And Eric didn't give much explanation. All he said was that he knew both of the women who were murdered and that he did it. He gave them information about the crime scene that hadn't been released to the public and explained everything that had happened, so police knew that he was their guy. On top of that, the DNA was a solid match, so can't really get away from that. Unfortunately, Eric wouldn't tell them why he committed the crime or where he put the murder weapon. He just kept saying that he didn't know and police didn't buy this at all. For some reason, Eric just didn't want to explain those answers. All he would say is that he committed the crime and he did it alone. The only reason he was confessing was because he knew that they would find out eventually because of all the DNA testing that they were doing. He had seen on the news that they were looking for someone who smoked his brand of cigarettes and they even had his description correctly. Again, since Napa is small, he figured that they would have kind of figured out it was him eventually and didn't want to sit in agony every day until that time came. With that, Eric Koppel was arrested and charged with two counts of first-degree murder. It was very devastating to the families that this man murdered two innocent young women and wouldn't give an answer as to why. But after investigators searched Eric's home, They found a suicide note that Eric had written that indicated that he was jealous of Lily's relationship with Adrian, that Adrian was taking his girlfriend away from him. Upon further investigation, it was discovered that Lily had broken off her engagement with Eric in 2004, and that Adrian was partly behind that decision. Lily's friends felt that she could do better than Eric, and because of this, it made Lily second-guess her relationship and postpone the engagement and wedding. In fact, it wasn't until after the murders that Lily decided to move forward with marrying Eric Koppel. So this definitely makes sense as a motive for murder. Eric was so upset with Adrian for looking out for Lily's best interest that he brutally murdered her and Leslie and then convinced Lily to marry him after all. Joke's on you, idiot. Now you don't even have Lily because you're in prison. Nice. Yeah, good job, douchebag. I, I, again, like we, we talk about this every time like a husband kills the wife or something like that where they think that they're going to get away with it and live a better life after. It's like, did you really think that you could kill her best friend and just not, A, not have guilt from that and B, just live a happy life as if Adrian was just n- never born? She never existed anyway. And you know what I mean? Like, How did you think that this was going to solve any of your problems? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it did. It did. uh, Get Lily to marry him. Right. It did. But I mean, that was short lived. Now you're in prison. Well, exactly. So stupid. So obviously, Lauren began to wonder why she didn't fall victim to Eric. But her only answer was that it was probably because her door was closed. So he wouldn't have known who was in there with her or if she was in there at all. But it's also possible that he knew Adrian's room was upstairs because she seemed to be the target here. And unfortunately, it seems that Leslie was maybe just a casualty because she and Eric had actually never met. Leslie had only moved into that house a few months prior, whereas Adrian and Lauren had already been living there. So since Leslie's room was closest to the stairs, it's possible that Eric went in there thinking it was Adrian's room and that's why Leslie was killed. But then when he realized she wasn't Adrian, he quickly moved to the next room and then bolted out of the house. 
And if that's the case, I mean, I mean, that's just so sad to think about that. His target was Adrian, uh, and he killed Leslie. Like, it's just, that's just so... Because Leslie didn't have to die. Right. right. I mean, nobody had to die in well, this right. situation, but it's just unfortunate that 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 may have been the case with Leslie. Well, right. And with Adrian too, it's so sad because she had endured that terrible car accident where she did almost die when she was 16. So they would, her and her family and friends always kind of said that she cheated death. And then 10 years later, she is murdered. And so I can't even imagine her poor family almost losing her once and then actually losing her to a horrible, horrible tragedy when she was so young. And then of course, Leslie, which is just so sad. In January of 2007, so just over two years after the murders occurred, Eric Koppel faced trial. During trial, Adrian's mother spoke. She said, Eric, you knew Adrian, and Eric, I know you. And I know that you are a man who brutally and callously took the life of a wonderful woman that you never met. And she's talking about Leslie here. You are the one who violently stabbed to death the best friend of the woman you loved. You cannot love Lily and murder her best friend. You cannot love Lily and bring a knife into Adrian's home and stab her again and again and again and again and yet again. And Arlene actually said this while she was slamming her fist repeatedly on the podium. My baby never wore a turtleneck sweater in her life, and yet she had to be buried in one. And still, it could not hide the extent of her wounds. You are the man who is so cruel as to invite me the mother of the woman that you murdered, to stand up for you at your wedding, to read scripture to you of love and death, and to bless your union. Throughout that weekend, you brought me into the heart of your family, knowing all the while it was you who destroyed mine. So I say to you, Eric, go. Leave this world of family and friends of hopes and dreams of life and love and laughter. There is no place for you here. You will be forgotten and when the door closes behind you today, I will think of you no more. In turn, Eric cried and explained that he was a broken man who had suffered from depression and suicidal thoughts since childhood. He explained that he used alcohol to battle that depression, but that it only made it worse, that there was a rage inside of him. He then spoke directly to both Adrian and Leslie's families and sobbed as he apologized for what he did. Eric still never gave an actual answer for why he did what he did. He just says that he doesn't know why he did it. And weirdly enough, Lily actually spoke as well and said that she knows a gentler Eric. And that although he committed this act, it didn't break their bond. She said that alcohol and depression sent Eric into a violent explosion and that he has paid his debt through Jesus Christ. Her final words to the court were, in the days before he confessed, I knew something was bothering him. I told him, Eric, there's nothing in this world that you could do to make me love you less. Those words are just as true today as they were that afternoon. This man brutally murdered your best friend and her innocent roommate, and you're expressing forgiveness to him right there in front of Adrian and Leslie's families who aren't doing the same thing, especially since the families aren't on the same page. Like, Keep those twisted thoughts to yourself. Eric smoked three cigarettes outside of the house before he went in. He knew what he was about to do. He thought about this. He even cut the phone lines to prepare for it. This wasn't a moment of rage. This was on purpose. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. But at the same time, I also see Lily as a potential, as a victim in this case, because it was her best friend. I know that she says that she's forgiving Eric, and that's maybe just to cover her own ass because she fucking married this guy. But at the same time, her best friend did get murdered. So I wonder what she's feeling in that situation as well. Before Eric was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole, Leslie's mom, Kathy, also made a statement to Eric saying, I demand resurrection for Leslie. It was her dream to meet her perfect partner and have four boys, babies that I will never get to hold in my arms. For the rest of your life, you and your family will experience what both of your victims and loved ones have felt, terror, desperation, hopelessness, and violence. I wish I could tell you that I forgive you. At this time, I can't. And finally, 
I pray that never again will any mother's child grow up to be a murderer. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of Going West. Yes, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. And next week, we'll have an all-new episode for you guys to dive into. Again, we're not going to be doing the shout-outs anymore, but we are doing them this one last time. So thank you so much to everybody who just gives us a nice review in general. Really makes our day. And thank you to everyone who has done it this past week. Thank you so much to Mary in Maynard, Massachusetts, Ma'an or Mayan in Glendale, California. And thank you so much to Brittany in Massachusetts. Big thanks going out to Jamie Lynn in Wisconsin, Sarah in Nebraska, and Randy in Seattle, Washington. Big thanks going to a fellow Oregonian, Jamie in Portland, Oregon. Thank you to Nicole in Folsom, Pennsylvania. And thank you to Caitlin in Los Angeles. And last but not least, big thanks going out to Brittany in Fort Worth, Texas, Polly in New Zealand, Meryl in the UK, and Nitty in New Zealand as well. Thank you guys so much for leaving us a review. It really helps out the show. We really appreciate when you guys do it. So thank you guys very much. And thank you so much to our new patrons this week. If you guys want bonus episodes, head on over to patreon.com slash goingwestpodcast. We're releasing a new bonus episode this week. You don't want to miss it. So thank you so much to Taylor, Kelly, Melina, and Olivia. And last but not least, Girly Mags, Jamie, and Hannah. Thank you guys for subscribing. Again, that also helps out this show. We really appreciate it. If you guys want another way to help out the show, you can head over to our website, goingwestpod.com, and click the shop tab. We have some new fall merch uh, that we just released not too long ago, and they're really cool. Daphne designed them, so go over and check those out. Yes, thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode, and we'll catch you next week. All right, so for everybody out there in the world, cheerio and don't be a stranger.